This is Paul Nobles from Eat Reform, and this is the third episode of Sundays with Dr. Susan Kleiner. Susan, did you want to say hello to everyone? Hello to everyone. <laughs> so we're going to get rolling here because uh, the last two topics were kind of involved. The next two topics are also involved, but we're going to try and keep it short. Um, and so I'm going to jump right in because one of the things that Susan and I wanted to tackle really early on was what this concept of being broken, right? And so I think one of the things that happens a lot when you're uh, dealing with all manner of things related to diet and exercise and, and things of this nature, there's kind of two sides of the aisle right? There's the side of the aisle that I think Susan and I sit on, which is you're probably not broken. Here is what happened. And that's the topic of this podcast. And then there's the people that sell you that you're broken. And often they charge you a lot of money for the supplements or the consults or the blood work or whatever it is to prove to you that, that not only that you're broken, but they're the guru that can fix you, right? And often this leads with thousands of dollars worth of consults and blood work and things of this nature and lands you virtually nowhere. And so one of the things that, you know, we'll jump right into it. And so Susan, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what we were discussing kind of offline where you have people that are somewhat causing this condition and that if they switch it the other way that it often can reverse some of the symptoms do you, you know where i'm do you remember that part all right take it so, away yeah paul it's a great topic because it's actually the concept is what led me to write the good mood diet book um, I went to a Northwest Women's Forum. It was uh, here in Seattle, in the Pacific Northwest. And it was a, a huge conference center, trade show floor of booths. Every booth told you how, why and how you were broken and how they would fix you. And Women were doing things to their to themselves out in the open, changing things about themselves, having laser treatments by somebody they'd never met before and knew nothing about. I mean, all kinds of things that that it just made me sick because it was selling fear. And and at any time. I don't care if someone's selling you a refrigerator or they're selling you health care. When they are preying on your fears, that means they have nothing else to sell you. And it has it is a sign of of what I have written at one time called the quackery criteria. <laughs> and one of those criteria for testing uh, whether or not someone's really got solutions for you is are they selling you fear? 
So I see the world as a place of abundance, not a place of scarcity. And that means that our own bodies have tremendous abundance to be able to um, stay healthy, be healthy, and cope with the stress that we're faced with. The thing that our job is, is to give our body the building blocks that it needs to be able to respond well. And in fact, when we are responding with fatigue and perhaps weight gain and altered mood state, it is part of the coping mechanism of survival. Our body's doing exactly what it's meant to do. It's not broken, it's working perfectly well in under the circumstances. It is surviving. It's not what we want it to do. We need to partner with our body to take care of it in the way that it responds, the way you want it to respond, but the, it's not broken. And so that I think is part of what, what we were talking about is this idea of caring and nurturing our bodies um, uh, and, and feeding it, understanding that cravings, um, loss of quote unquote willpower, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the right, I don't use the concept of willpower, but it's what is often talked about in the diet weight loss world. Um, that's all about feeding your brain well. And if you feed your brain well, you can uh, plan and you can have goals and you can work toward those goals and understand what it means to stay on track and, and maybe take detours every once in a while, but get back on track. But when you are not feeding your brain well, when you're not feeding yourself, fueling your body and feeding your brain, it is a natural physiological phenomenon to go for anything that doesn't pick up itself and run across the counter on its own. So, so you know, the, the, the essence of the concept of I'm broken and I need something to fix me, to me, is a is a is a, a a sharky sales job, and it's got nothing to do with um, with healthcare. Yeah, and and I've you know we've talked about this where I've seen thousands of files, right? I've not found very many people that were broken. What I have found for a lot of people trying to not work with the way that their body would like to work because we all have it, right? We have fear related to gaining weight or whatever. And so what I think happens a lot of the time is that, you know, you were maybe eating a little bad for a while there and then you start to rein things in and you just go on the chicken and kale diet, right? And then you plateau or you get a bad result, and then you start eating less chicken and kale. And the reality is, is that from a hormone standpoint, from a mood standpoint, from, you know, our next topic, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about is digestion, but from a digestion standpoint, if you're not giving yourself food in abundance. Now, sometimes you might need to clean things up, right, and, and, and lower calories for a bit, 
to try and lose a few pounds or lose a little fat or something of this nature. The reason why people often feel broken is because they're banging their head against a similar rock, right? And so it doesn't often occur to people that they could just stop banging their head against the rock at least for a little bit. It doesn't mean that you never, like I, you know, um, I, a friend of mine locally is Tracy Mann. She, she wrote the book um, Secrets from the Dieting Lab, right? And um, in that book, she really talked about the, the way that most people diet and some of the, the feedback that she gave me. Um, and one of the reasons why she thought that the book didn't resonate the way that she thought it would work is because she kind of openly was saying diets are the problem, right? And, and people, what I know from the message that I've sent out there is that people don't want to think that diets are the problem. And one of the reasons why they don't want to think that diets are the problem is because they still have fat to lose, right? Well, they, I have to, I, isn't it sad that people are more comfortable with saying I'm the problem than the diet is the problem? I mean, well, <laughs> I'm the problem. I'm used to being the, I, I, I'm the problem. I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm broken. I'm, I'm incapable. I have no willpower. I have the shame. I'm, okay. it's about, it's, it's my fault. Right. This diet isn't working. But there's an important point to that, right? Is that if you internalize that you're broken, then $500 potentially could fix it. Right. And see, that is what we're talking about where gurus are preying on you, right? Like I made a post today and it talked about the, the clock is not the secret, ketosis is not the secret. <laughs> You know, and all these different things. And I talked about the value of of not just calories, but also calories in abundance, you know. And it's a message, of course, we send out. It's a message, of course. I mean, one of the funniest conversations that I've ever had with Susan um, was I took her to task on the concept of maintenance. And she she kind of, you know, gave me the what for of, you know, how maintenance is important. And then I, I got off the phone and I was like, that was a weird conversation. And then what I realized that Susan's version of maintenance is when she's giving a member of the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team 5,000 calories. <laughs> and they're coming down to 3,000 in the off season for maintenance. <laughs> right. And so I just think that that's a paradigm that people aren't comfortable with and they don't realize. And, and, and frankly, it's not just that they're selling you that you're broken and that there is a solution. Um, it's really what Susan's saying that they're preying on your fear. Right. And, 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 you know, it's a little harder to figure out the, intricacies of how you work right like one of the things susan and i were talking about now i'll let her take it over since it's sundays with susan not sundays with paul but we were talking a lot about the fact that the good majority of people that are at the gym are working out at 60 percent 
They don't know any other reality because they've eaten low calories for so long that they don't know what it's like to sleep eight hours a night. They don't know what it's like to go to the gym, you know, like like their, you know, their T-shirt with their beast mode. It's always switched off. <laughs> um, so talk a little bit about that, because I, I, I think, you know, I remember one of the first discussions that you had with me because, you know, you said that. Even professional athletes buy into this, and the first thing that you do is give them a thousand calories. Right, as the women, for sure. Like every single woman who comes into my office is about a thousand calories shy of their need. And these are elite female athletes in any sport you can think of. Um, so, so really, the the so the big picture is. You go on a diet, and your diet is automatically, no matter what, who you talk to, where you go, it's at least 500 and probably more like 1,000 calories less than you need to eat every day. So you're eating maybe 1,200 calories a day, some people 1,000, I see not in my practice so much, but people that I talk with, 800 calories a day, and they got down there by starting out at maybe 1,200, and that wasn't working, and so they keep cutting out and cutting out and cutting. Oh, I I eat less, and I'm not losing, so I need to eat even less. And, And the upshot of that is, at the same time they're selling you that diet plan, they're telling you, you need to exercise. And I would like to ask anybody if they can eat 800 to 1,200 calories a day and go into the gym and kill it every day. No way. You can't even get up off the couch because you've only fed yourself well enough to sit on the couch. And so now you're supposed to go in the gym and work out. And so you go to the gym if you can get there. And like you said, you work out. You don't realize it. You feel like you're working out on a scale of one to 10 where one is sitting on the couch and 10 is puke or pass out. You think you're working out somewhere between an eight and a nine, maybe a seven and a half to nine. But if we actually measured the work output, your watt output, you'd be working out at about a five, maybe a six if you really have some serious mental stamina. And but the fact is, you don't have the fuel to work out any harder. So you're basically standing in place. You are not you're not you're not training to move forward. This is the problem. I've plateaued. I'm eating less. I'm working out harder. I'm working out more hours. My hair is falling out. My skin looks terrible. I'm getting flabbier. I'm I have no energy. I'm fighting with my significant other. I have no energy for my children. I have headaches. I can't sleep well. My bowels are a mess. I have brain fog. That is standard reporting which I expect you hear from almost everybody. I and hear yeah, yeah a lot of people. I think the other thing, too, and, and we promised we would cut it off, so let's go ahead and do that. But I think the other thing, too, is that this is not just on the guru side, right? This is also on the workout side, right? And so when you look at pre-workout, post-workout, and everybody's selling you all kinds of supplements, 
related to that, what I see and what we do, and I'm sure you see as well, is that most of the people that are wondering about pre-workout, post-workout nutrition, you know, should I put 10 grams of protein? They're not thinking that that's magical. They're just hoping for the will to want to go to the gym because they're eating so low calories, right? Mm -hmm. And and so, the, so the, I'll end on this note and then Susan can give a retort real quick um, and then we'll move on. But the, um, it's this concept that you never normalize calories that everyone has wrong. And, and I hate to keep mentioning Tracy in the instance of, of talking to you, but the diet industry is actually built on you failing in a lot of ways, right? Like, like the concepts of normalizing calories and things like that, they don't bring you into full cycles. And so what ends up happening is you keep stumbling over the same rock. Right. And so reverse dieting, as an example, is becoming a much bigger thing. But, you know, we're probably the biggest advocate for it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And when you finally fuel yourself well, I mean, you know, you feel like you've seen, you know, a vision. You know, it's it's it, your brain is finally getting what it needs. Right. And so that's when not only is your brain operating more clearly, but you've taken the obstacles away from your body operating clearly. Your energy, you know, can run free and you have far more energy to burn. And the more you can burn, the more you're going to lose fat. And that's just the key. So, so I said I would give you the last word, but I lied. Um, the reason what Susan just said we often see people as they reverse start to lose weight and then you go well how's that happening well the reason is because you have the will to get off the couch right you you when you're on a phone you're you're pacing and talking around like there's just it just changes really everything and, and on your list which was a substantial list you know depression is something that i think shows symptoms, especially when you're in a caloric deficit all of the time. So we will end on that note. Thanks. That was great information, Susan, and look forward to next weekend when we talk about digestion. Bye, everyone.